Welcome to episode 9 of the Atlanta Jazz Notes podcast, where we profile the many amazing people who make up the Atlanta jazz scene. I'm your host, Matt Miller. This week, I'm happy to release part 2 of my interview with pianist and composer Gary Motley. Aside from being a world-class pianist and composer with accomplishments too long to list, Motley runs the jazz department at Emory University here in Atlanta. If you haven't heard episode 1 featuring the first part of this interview, please check it out. Without further ado, here is part 2 of my interview with Gary Motley. I want to ask you a little bit about collaborators. Okay. Um, one of your one of your collaborators that's really important is is your wife uh, Veronica Motley, right? Yes. Um, she's an incredible vocalist, and um, I was kind of curious about like um, how's that collaboration? How that's obviously been an important part of your life. I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit. Uh, sure, sure. Um, a lot of people don't know that um, uh, she's not only a vocalist but she's a pianist as well. She plays. And mm-hmm. so she has um, um, knowledge uh, of the keyboard and, and harmony and, and various things like that. We, uh, when we collaborate on songs that we've composed, uh, the lines get blurred a little bit because you know she not only can, is a lyricist and composes um, uh, lyrics, but has you know music, brings to the table musical ideas. So. Um, you know, she'll sit down and play something and say, you know, this is kind of what I'm what I'm looking at, and she starts to put things together, and we go we go back and forth with that. So uh, it's it's kind of a fun process. Um, Sounds like yeah. Uh, to to do that, so we both will come up with different premises for for songs, and then try to see um, uh, what happens. And it's so funny because um, she might bring something and say, okay, I want you to do this, but don't really do that. Uh, but do this, but find a different way to do this, you know, <laughs> or how would you do this? And, you know, we go back and forth. Or I might come up with an idea and she goes, okay, I can see that this can happen with that. And so we, you know, uh, work through a process of that sort of thing. Um, we both do a lot of listening to, to different people. So it's always interesting to me uh, when I see uh, the people that she listens to and 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 um, and who influence her. Mm-hmm. And she not only listens, you know, she listens to jazz, but she listens to a lot of other uh, types of music. So she brings those, you know, those resources to the table, and it helps me because it keeps me um, keeps me on my toes. It keeps me fresh because you know I. Uh, again, going back to my kind of type A personality, I tend to get immersed in one tunnel vision of of music, and um, she can be that reminder of going, okay. In addition to that, now check this out over here, you know. And so she keeps me uh, informed uh, in those ways. And uh, again, for her as a composer, she's always looking for inspirations in all different places. Yeah. So um, it's it's neat to to. Um, you know, share that perspective. Yeah, I'm sure it seems like a great collaboration. Also, uh, one of one of the, one of my favorite musical memories of the last like th- maybe maybe three years. I can't remember how, quite how long ago it was. It was with with you and uh, Teodris Avery. Yeah. At um at at Emory, and uh-huh. it was just a beautiful concert. I've been listening to the to the, the <laughs> fairly recent album, that duo album you guys have together. Oh yeah. Um, which is just amazing. <laughs> sure. 
Cool. Um, how that? How did you guys? How did you guys meet? Meet or how did that collaboration come about? We were introduced through a, a, a musician, a fellow musician uh, friend, who said, who literally called me and said, "You guys need to know each other." So I'm going to introduce you. You know, right oh, now. Okay. And so we we were introduced, and then he was touring with the brand new Heavies, and they came to Atlanta. Uh, we're doing a concert, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to be in Atlanta." And uh, so we went to the concert and, you know, uh, uh, had a great conversation. And then I brought him to Emory as a guest artist. And so we started with that, uh, bringing him in as artist in residence. And we started communicating about uh, different things. And uh, the record that I did, no reservation required. I asked him if he would play on a couple of songs on that and he agreed. So we did that, and then afterwards we were just talking about the idea of of doing collaborations, and so uh, we put together soulful. What ended up being the recording soulful equanimity of just piano and and saxophone because we thought it would be kind of a unique thing, you know, to do, and come from the direction that that we did, which was uh, for him was kind of a heavy Coltrane influence, and then you've got. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we're doing like a Bar Bob Marley thing and a Marvin Gaye. And, that was great. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so again, you know, coming from some different directions uh, in terms of how we were exploring the music and not just doing just the traditional, okay, we're going to play some standards, but finding some other things that we were both influenced by and yeah. putting, it, putting it together. I've got to ask you: Is that is that you beatboxing on that on one of those tracks? I know uh, <laughs> that's him. Yeah. That was him. I was like, I'm like here, I'm like, there's a beatboxing part. I'm like, wow, he is yeah. multi multifaceted. Yeah, I tell you, uh, no, that was that was definitely Teodros on, on okay, that and uh, and having some fun with that, you know. Yeah, that's uh, what well, it's a it's a great, it's truly a great album. I mean, I really I can't recommend these albums highly enough. Both, I mean, all of your stuff is just it's beautiful. Um, and that album, I just as a saxophone player too, I just love it. Uh, just hearing his great playing as well, yeah. and the way you guys interact. I want to ask you a little bit about, so we talked a little bit about the Emory. Every year Emory has this amazing jazz festival and you bring in artists like Teodris Avery and I know you've had like Benny Golson in the past. Mm -hmm. um, how, how, how did you first start teaching at Emory? I started teaching at Emory in 1996 and I was um, actually um, asked to come in and teach a jazz improvisation class. And so I started with the university doing that and the very next semester, the students wanted to continue. So we uh, did a continuation course because uh, it normally was only taught once a year. And so I created a part two. So mm -hmm. following that, we ended up with two courses. So I had a beginning improv and then an advanced improv, well, which continues till this day. Um, we had some students who were interested in, in playing and, and performing. So we put together um, our first combo there. And I kind of joke with people, and I said, I think it was guitar, French horn, and kazoo or something. I, it was some <laughs> odd combination, you know. Uh, but they were really interested, and we got it going. 
and uh, it just kind of went went from there. Because at the time when I came to the university, we had um, uh, there was big band, but it was more of a community uh, band. Because you know, clearly, we didn't have enough students to completely fill out the ensemble. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Stutz Wimmer uh, actually uh, conducted that band for for a short time. I don't know who I don't know who that is. It's... Uh he was he was a saxophonist who was here um for many years and and uh oh, okay. was at Lovett School and retired oh, I believe, really? from from there. Got it. Okay. And uh so yeah, he was he directed the band uh for a short time. And then we had a couple of years when we didn't do that. I just had the student combos in 2004 then I officially uh, became the founding director of the jazz studies program, and I developed curriculum um, for everybody. But we started seeing this uh, surge of interest um, from students around 2000 to 2004 or so, and we started increasing from there. The big mm-hmm. catalyst for all of this, though, was we had Dave Brubeck here as an artist in residence, and I believe that was in 2001. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a chance to do some duets with him. Uh, he and I did um, "In Your Own Sweet Way" with the orchestra, two pianos, and uh, which was so much fun. I'm sure. But he and um, and his organization gave a um, a big endorsement to us and um, to the University of saying, "Hey, if you're going to do this, you've got you know the person here to do this, uh, and you should really rally and and support you know making this happen." So that endorsement really started the ball, got things rolling. And of Mm -hmm. course, in 2003, then the Schwartz Center was built. And uh, with that also came the the, uh, Schwartz Center residency program. And through the establishment of that residency, then that's when I started uh, the jazz festival and the jazz residency program. And the premise with that was I was able to bring in people from the industry, being involved in the industry, bringing them in as a part of my group and the things that I was doing and creating a residency based on that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fast forward, what is it, 17, 18 years later, you know, we've got this wonderful track record of people, you know, who agreed to come in and do concerts and do residencies and work with the students. Yeah. My biggest uh, thing that I lobbied for and I continue to lobby for was making sure that the artists that we bring in did spend face-to-face time with the students. Because oftentimes you will see, and I understand this, an artist who goes in, they do a concert and they leave. Sure. And in this environment, I said, no, I want the students to be able to have access to this artist and then give something back so that there can be some dialogue uh, and exchange. And that is the one stipulation that we have is that any artist that we bring um you know, we really want to have that connectivity, and it has it has uh, it has served us well. Oh yeah, and it's, and it's I love I just love it. Just going coming every year, I always am excited because you always have good people too. It's always like the, the amazing artists, um, and just going and then it being a couple different days. You can go to these master classes in mm-hmm. the morning or the early afternoon. I saw that was one of, the, one of my fondest memories of 2020 because everything went to hell after that. But yeah. Um, Bob Mincer, Bob Mincer. Bob Mincer, that was just amazing. And seeing you guys play together, I think you talked about the whole idea of the bass. You talked about the Ray Brown, the bass thing. On you kind of demonstrated <laughs> that during the um, the masterclass, but that was amazing. He's one of one of my favorite musicians. He Bob Mincer is yeah, he's one of my all time favorites. And I, I had met him a couple of years. Um, well, actually, I'd seen him for a number of years at everything from IAJE conferences to the Gen conferences, and he was always just a super nice guy. 
And um, uh, I did, I was doing the, uh, one of the conferences and I was playing with Peter Erskine mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and also Edwin, um, Edwin, Wood, Edwin uh, Livingston was playing bass uh, mm -hmm. and we were doing this thing. And Mincer was at, at the presentation that we did. So later on, um, uh, we were walking uh, through the hotel, my wife and I, and I see Bob and his wife. And it was so funny. And Bob just stops and has this look on his face. And my wife and I are going, that's Bob Mincer. <laughs> <laughs> so he runs over and we started having this uh, wonderful conversation. And, and, you know, and it was as simple as that is, man, I would love for you to come to Atlanta, to Emory you know, and work with my kids. And it was, he was like, sure, let's talk. And so we worked out things and made it, you know, possible for him to, to be here and do, mm -hmm. you know, what he, what he did. And that has been my experience with, with, you know, most of our artists that, that we've brought in is that they've been very generous and giving and gracious uh, with yeah. their time. It's great. And it's so cool. The other community element that you, you know, is drawing people in. And then I've, you know, gone to subsequent concerts and see the students mm -hmm. perform and it's just great. It's a great program. You guys, you guys have going there. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. And um, I did talk to, to your colleague, Dr. Dwight Andrews uh, for this, for my podcast. And that was a real pleasure too. I was telling my wife, I was like, I would love to just, you know, I've been to school. I'm already done that, but I would love uh -huh. to go. It's just a great, it seems like you have a great program going and you've built this amazing thing. Yeah. So the students uh, really are the driving force behind this, and I and I've been very fortunate in that having students who are um, they're curious and uh, and also very appreciative of the opportunities. They recognize you know what's what's going on here. So putting all of those things together, and again, the idea is this is really all about the students and providing these opportunities for them. You know, to get close to these artists and understand, you know, what what's the mindset of somebody who does this type of thing at the highest possible level, and um, uh, you know, who knows how those things are going to impact, you know, a, a student. I I can remember the people that I met. You know, the game changer for me uh, was was meeting Dave Brubeck. Mm -hmm. uh, that was it for me. When I met Dave Brubeck, uh, my musical life changed uh, from that moment on just because of the magnitude of the person that he was, you know, I mean, of course, the, the musicianship, but, but getting a chance to sit down and have conversations with him and just his whole affect of, of who he was, was very um, impressive to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, that was, that was a game changer. And from there it was like, okay, I, I know the direction that I want to, you know, to go in. And he was, he was a huge catalyst in, yeah. in making that happen. So uh, again, with students, you never know, you know, what's gonna, uh, what's gonna happen with these things. Um, mm -hmm. My wife and I uh, laugh about our son when he was a, a teenager. And, you know, being around us, he's hearing all of the music that, that we're listening to. And, you know, he's a, he's a teenager, so he's in his hip hop phase and the, the yeah. whole rap thing. And we were traveling out of town. And uh, he said, you know what? He said, um, give me a subject. And he said, and I will, I will rap on it. I'll give you a rap on it. So I said, okay, great. And he said, all right, Charlie Parker. And this kid started doing freestyling 
And he started with like jazz in the 1920s and he's like rattling off these names, you know, and going down through the history of the music all the way up to Charlie Parker. Uh, and he's riffing on the titles of the tunes and the whole thing. And my wife and I just looked at each other and went, okay, it's in there. Not exactly the way we thought it was going to come out, <laughs> but it's in there, you know? Well, that's the whole point. Yeah. It's totally, you know, reimagining every generation. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and yeah. this is the same kid when he was, um, uh, he was, he had finished college and was working in a different state and, um, you know, uh, called him up uh, one Friday night and said, what are you doing? He said, I just got back from the symphony and we're going, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there it is, you know, um, so those things are there and they're a part of his life and he appreciates them. You know, they manifest themselves in their own unique way, uh, which is cool. So again, like I said, you never know how, uh, what you do is going to impact somebody, but if it helps to enrich their lives so that they can appreciate any number of things, then, uh, and especially in this case, uh, um, jazz, then, you know, we've done what we're there, there to do. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I teach I teach uh, younger students, but it's it, I I have the same uh, it's certainly the same philosophy. I think you know just introduce people to great things and see what happens. I, there are probably things I can't even conceive of of what they'll end up doing with it or how they'll be inspired by it. But but that's and I think that's what's such a great thing about what's happening at Emory. Yeah, and you guys are you know and and just the faculty is just you know just the just the high level hearing that kind of music just just is such a huge huge thing you know as, as a young person i know i heard people like yourself and it was just changed my whole outlook that the, the faculty there i enjoy working with it's uh, again very unique one of the keys to i think the success of the programs there is that there is a healthy respect among um among the faculty for what they each do and uh, and that's kind of cool because you don't always mm -hmm. encounter that but there's a healthy, you know, respect for um, for the jazz that we do, and just between the different people and the different, you know, uh, different mm -hmm. things. And I've collaborated pretty much with most people uh, in the department. So I've I've uh, I've worked with the orchestra. I've worked with the wind ensemble. Um, uh, all of the pianists. We did the uh, uh, Goldberg variations a few years back. And, oh wow. Uh, um, which was kind of funny because the director of piano studies said, yeah, I want you to, you know, to play with us on, on the Goldberg variations. I'm going, I well, <laughs> and so he added a twist. He said, but I want you to do uh, jazz interpretations of the Goldberg, oh, that's you cool. know. And so again, here's this thing of bringing all the piano faculty together. I recognize that this is what you do. So I want you to approach it from this perspective. Mm -hmm. And, um, and one, I, I thought it was just a brilliant idea to to do that. And at the same time, it allowed me to capitalize on my own strengths and bring that as a different perspective mm -hmm. uh, to the whole thing. Uh, and that was because of that, the respect that they had for what it was that I do and vice versa. So, uh, yeah, it's very healthy in that way that, that um, you know, if you can can have situations like that a lot of wonderful creative you know things can yeah. happen and sure and you know those spawned into other things like my collaborations with the vega string quartet the eroica trio and different people that I've, I've actually written for you know and written and arranged uh things that they they have performed yeah so. 
That's great. I, I, I realized I skipped, I, I kind of dove into the present and we didn't talk so much about the past too. You're, you're from Atlanta or are you from Alabama? I'm from Alabama. Are you? Okay, because I know you were in the, the Jazz Hall of Fame there. So I was like, you must be, you must be from Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. So you grew up, th grew up there and then, uh, and what was the progression? So we grew up in, Al where in Alabama? I grew up in Anston, Alabama, which is okay. uh, just a little, about a hundred miles from here. It's between here and Birmingham. Mm -hmm. But grew up in Atlanta, in, uh, in Anniston, Alabama, um, and went to college there in Alabama, the University of Montevallo. Okay. And then I came to Atlanta with the idea of I would be here for a year and then I'd be headed to, um, uh, to New York. Yeah. And uh, one thing led to another and I ended up staying here and then traveling from here to go out to do the various things uh, that I've done over the years. But I've been, uh, for the most part, based here in Atlanta since 1989. Okay, gotcha. It's funny that not you're you're ahead of the curve though, because a lot of the there are a lot of great artists who who are based in places like in, like Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I think you have a couple of people, and you could just so freely travel all over the world. That was that was that was the big thing. As I looked at it and I said, you know what, I can get to anywhere from here. You yeah. know, so yeah, I can do a nonstop from from here to London, nonstop to Paris. You know, yeah. and, and certainly New York. Yeah, you, know, you could be you know because you. That's, I think that, that's, that's something in the last, I've noticed that in the last, you know, 20 yeah. years or 15 years that artists have just been like, well, why am I living in New York City right now? You know, you can, you can, tr you can live in Charlotte or Atlanta sure. and just travel yeah. um, so easily. Uh, it was always funny too, because when I was, you know, playing with different people and touring and everything, once they set up the travel schedules, they ended up coming through here anyway. <laughs> sure. So, so that was one less thing for them to have to do. It's like, okay, we got to, you know, we got to fly through Atlanta. Well, Gary's already in Atlanta, so. That's easy. You yeah. know, we'll just book him <laughs> from there to whatever the, you know, the next destination is going to be. So, yeah, uh, I've enjoyed that. And I know there are other musicians here now who currently you know, are doing that, you know, quite, quite a bit. And it's, yeah, yeah this is, this is a good location for that. Absolutely. I'll ask you, I'll, I'll ask you one more question. John. Where have you, I, I thank you so much for your time. I appreciate your time, by the way. Sure. Um, so that we have this year, this weird year of 2020, what's next for you? Where, what's your, what's your next plan? Uh, I know it's, it's difficult to plan tours and things like that, but is there something on the horizon that you, um, that you want to share? Uh, right now, um, continuing to work and develop with our program, um, these online resources, um, you know, it's still up in the air what the future is going to look like with that. But we've, we've made some really significant strides with the program. I don't know if you were able to see the virtual concert that we did. You know, I didn't see it yet. No, I'm sorry. I need, I need to check that out. Okay, yeah. you got uh, It's all the invite, yes. Okay. And it's, it's archived, right? Yes, it is. Okay. So if you just go to the, the uh, Schwartz Center virtual stage. Uh, mm -hmm. It is there and click on that and you'll be able to watch it. Um, that was a very um, significant um, uh, thing that, that we were able to accomplish with uh, having the 18 piece big band uh, mm -hmm. virtual as well as the other uh, ensembles and having to follow, you know, our COVID guidelines and, and that sort of thing. So uh, focusing on that and getting us through, you know, through that. Uh, and then I have... Um, uh, some publishing things that I'm working on right now. So um, um, really getting in the shed with with um, with uh, writing and and those sorts of things. But um, cool. yeah, mainly um, uh, I'm really enjoying doing a lot of uh, production work. It's it's funny now with everybody kind of being at home. We're doing I think we're doing more collaborations now virtually than we did when we were face to face. Sure, and as an artist and as an educator, I think there's a, there's a real 
we've learned a lot this year in terms of how to, you know, to teach, but also to collaborate. Sure. Um, Sure. And certainly you're ahead of the game in terms of, you know, because you're already so used to recording and doing all those things with technology already. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I started a long time, maybe 15 years ago, being an advocate for this whole technology thing. And uh, but not having in mind that we, we, you know, this would be the catalyst for really launching that. Um, but it, um, if there's good to come out of it, um, we were kind of prepared in that way. And then the students in there, you know, having wonderful attitudes with all of this have really helped us to uh, start to embrace that. So I'm hoping that we can continue to do that and uh, and everybody can 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 learn from this. And if it's something that we can do to kind of help others, um, because we're all kind of finding our way and figuring out where we are in the the grand scheme of things, Mm -hmm. Uh, if it turns out that we can you know, serve as a flagship and say, hey, this is how we did it and and recommend that to others, then certainly, you know, we'll help to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time so much. I'm, sure. I'm really just a big fan. So I appreciate just the opportunity to talk to you. Uh, so, likewise. Thank and you. thanks for all the wonderful work that you're doing. This is this is cool that you're giving um, giving your 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 audience insights into the musicians here in the city and, and various things that we're all kind of involved in. Well, thanks. It's my pleasure. <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks again. OK. Thank you so much for listening to episode nine, part two of the Atlanta Jazz Notes podcast with the amazing Gary Motley. The music you heard in this episode was performed by Gary Motley. Make sure to buy a copy of his newest release, Tone Poems, and all of his albums. They're all great. Please be sure to check out the website, atljazznotes.com. Also, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The reviews help spread the word about the podcast to people who might enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks.